My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God. So glad you're joining me as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And we're going to be starting today with Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. And we're going to be looking to verse 13 as we go through today. Now, the beginning of chapter 14 of the Gospel of Matthew is actually starts off with a, it's kind of like a retrospective, it's a reflection of some events that have just happened. Matthew's telling the story kind of through the eyes of Herod uh, because Herod sees uh, Jesus and and literally thinks that John the Baptist has been resurrected. That That's his initial thought. And that's kind of what we go into Matthew chapter 14, verse 1 with. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. Uh, so Matthew's telling the story kind of through the eyes of Herod so that we get an understanding of what Herod was going through. Uh, the, the fame and the reports of Jesus had spread through all the region. Uh, Herod, this particular Herod, was known as Herod Antipas. And he was one of the sons of Herod the Great, uh, who was the Herod at the time that Jesus was born. Tetrarch just means a ruler of one-fourth. That's all it means, a fourth part. And a tetrarch was lower than the king, so it was the king, and then and then the king divided his kingdom up into tetrarchs. It would be four different parts. And uh, Herod Antipas wanted to be a king. In fact, he actually petitioned uh, Caligula, who was the emperor, if he could be a king, and Caligula said no. And actually, that humiliation of of Caligula saying no to him ended up with Herod Antipas being sent off to Gaul, which is modern-day France. And Herod Antipas had ruling the ruling over the area. So his his fourth, if you like, was Galilee. And and because he was the ruler over Galilee, he knew a lot about Jesus. He had a brother Archelaus who ruled to the south, and then he had another brother Philip who ruled to the north. So he. We, we can think that it's un, it's kind of bizarre that he thinks that it's John the Baptist who's been resurrected. But you have to understand when you, when you've done something wrong and you know you've done something wrong, that, that breeds fear out of your own suspicion of your own wrongdoing. And it, it, it's why, you know, criminals are paranoid that, that, that every car that passes by is somebody who knows who they are. Uh, if they're, if they're in a hideout. Well, this is, this is Herod. And John A. Trapp said this, Herod imagined still that he saw and heard that holy head, thinking about John the Baptist's head, shouting and crying out against him, staring him also in the face at every turn. God hath laid upon evildoers the cross of their own consciences. Uh, so true. Now, it's interesting, uh, interesting note. William Barclay, cites the ancient Christian writer Origen who wrote at the time of Jesus. And he said that Jesus and John the Baptist actually looked physically similar. They resembled each other. And and if that was true, then you could kind of understand Herod Antipas going, I think that's him, you know, believing that John had come back 
from the dead. So let's continue to read on and we're going to read a, you know, a fair bit of this passage then we're going to break it down. So we'll start at uh, verse 3. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him into prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, it's not lawful, lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him, John the Baptist, as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias, her name was Salome, he, uh, she danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her, Salome, Herodias' daughter, whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, Herodias, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So that's the story of John the Baptist, the end of his life. And it's interesting because Matthew is now going to tell us how he died. And, and it begins with John being in prison because he was telling the king over and over, what you are doing is not right. But he didn't immediately kill John the Baptist. Why? Because he feared the multitude. David Guzik said this, John spoke out against Herod's marriage because he had illegally divorced his previous wife, then seduced and married his brother's Philip's wife, whose name was Herodias. The father of Herod's first wife was the king of Petra, modern-day Jordan. And he later made successful war against Herod Antipas because of how he had disgraced the king of Petra's daughter. He feared the multitude. Herod, just like people today, they they often fear what other people think more than what God thinks. I, I honestly say, give me a church of people that care more about what God thinks and people, people think will change the world. But most people care more about what people think than they do about what God thinks. Herod was no different. And... The only thing that kept Herod from even greater wickedness was actually his fear of man. But you have to also say that the person that he, you know, feared the most was actually his wife Herodias, uh, and he feared her more than he feared the multitudes, uh, because he imprisoned John for the sake of Herodias. So then Herodias's daughter comes and dances, uh, and, and it pleased Herod. Um, she shamelessly danced before him. And it was in order to win favor and, and a special request. Um, now, the daughter of Herodias, her name was Salome, she's described as a girl in Matthew 14, verse 11. She's a girl, okay? Um, but the word for girl here is not a cute little girl, like a pretty little, you know, eight-year-old. It's a, the term here is somebody who is of marriageable age, at least a teenager. And somebody ready for childbearing. So, so you know, you can draw your own conclusion as to you know what what that how she danced. Um, William Barclay, the dances which these girls dance were suggestive and immoral for a royal princess to dance in public at all was an amazing thing. Spurgeon, in these days, now this is Spurgeon writing a hundred years ago. In these days, mothers too often encourage their daughters in dress which is scarcely decent and introduce them to dances which are not con commendable for purity. No good can come of this. It may please the Herods, but it displeases God's. <laughs> displeases God, I should say. Um, 
It may please Herod's, but it displeases God. Having been prompted by her mother, so Salome dances before Herod, wins the favour. You can have whatever you want. She runs over to her mother. What should I say? So you can see the person conspiring this whole thing is the mother. And so then she runs back. Oh, uh, give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. Herodias, the mother, had planned this. This is it, this was playing out exactly how she wanted it to play out. She knew her husband. She knew the situation. She knew that she could get what she wanted uh, by enticing her husband. And she used her own daughter to do that. What kind of person is this woman? But mind you, she'd already cheated on her first husband, so I guess morals not really Herodias' strong point. She was shrewd enough to demand that it be done immediately. She said, bring me the head of uh, of John the Baptist on a platter right now, like while this banquet is still going on. Now, A.B. Bruce said, that was an essential part of the request. The request. No time must be left for repentance. If not done at once under the influence of wine and the momentary gratification given by the voluptuous dance, it might never have been done at all. So the king goes through with it. Gets John the, John the Baptist is beheaded. And he's sorry. Immediately, he's sorry. Because Herod was afraid to go against his wife or lose face in front of his friends. He did something that he knew was wrong. How many times do people do that today? You know something's wrong. You do it anyway, even though you know it's wrong, because you, you don't want to lose face with your friends or your family or people that you, you, you know, you're worried about what they think. There's a lot we can learn from Herod Antipas. And, uh, and, and this did not play out well for him in the long run, and it won't play out well for you and me if we do the same thing. Spurgeon said, rash promises, even rash oaths are no excuse for actually doing wrong. No man has a right to promise to do wrong. Uh, Bruce said this, immediate production of the head on the platter in the banqueting hall before the guests. What a gruesome sight. The head, Adam Clark, the head was in possession of Herodias who, tis prob probable, took a diabolic pleasure in viewing that speechless mouth which had often been the cause of planting thorns in her criminal bed. Now, as I mentioned, this did not play out well for Herod. Herod actually had a terrible end to his life, Herod Antipas. Uh, in order to take his brother's wife, Herodias, he put away his first wife, she was a princess from a neighboring kingdom to the east, as I mentioned, Petra. Her father was offended. He comes against Herod with an army and he defeats him in battle. Then his brother Agrippa accused him of treason in Rome and he was banished uh, into the distant Roman Empire or province of France, Gaul, as it was called then. And Herod and Herodias, when they got to Gaul, committed suicide. Okay, so what happens to John the Baptist? His head's cut off. It's given to Herodias on a platter. Uh, the, the, the disciples come and take the body away. Obviously, they don't have the head. They just have the body. And the disciples of John the Baptist honoured his life. They honoured his memory the best way they could. He had lived. He died as a righteous man who'd done everything that God had asked him to do. Spurgeon, it is not said by the evangelists that they buried John, but they took up his body is what it says, and they buried it, not him. The real John no man could bury, and Herod soon found that out. Being dead, yet he spoke. Which is what led Herod to say in verse 2, this is John the Baptist who's been raised from the dead. Because the way that Jesus was speaking was the same way that John the Baptist used to speak. 
And John the Baptist was the one who said, I've come to prepare the way for Jesus. So then we get on to verse 13. When Jesus heard it about John the Baptist being beheaded and the whole story, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Jesus didn't depart from where he was because of cowardice or because you know he was just sad. I have no doubt that Jesus had a lot of emotions because you have to remember he's related to John the Baptist. Their mothers were cousins, uh, Elizabeth and Mary, mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, they're cousins. So Jesus has, you know, for all intents and purposes, more than just a friendship relationship with John the Baptist. He's somebody very special to him. But the reason that Jesus went away was because he was acutely aware of the Father's timing in his own story. Jesus was always very aware, no matter how how tragic the events of what was going on or how positive the events, how good the events, how negative the events, he was always aware of the timing of the Father and the fact that he knew he was just one step closer to the cross. Now, he goes away. Now, for whatever reason, because now he's thinking about you know, the next steps. Now he knows that, that John the Baptist is dead. He knows that that's one step closer. Next phase of his ministry is going to begin. He, he's probably sad, wants some time alone, wants some time with the Father. What happens to the multitudes? They follow him. They follow him on foot. He, he was able to, to escape whatever potential violence there might have come from Herod, because Herod could have been looking for Jesus but he could never escape the multitudes. Even though the religious and the political leaders opposed Jesus, he was very popular with the multitudes. Which leads me to my observation today. John the Baptist didn't just speak the truth once. I've got a few observations. This is the first one. He didn't just speak the truth once and then not say it again and say, well, I've I've spoken the truth. I'm not going to say it anymore, which I think is what a lot of Christians do today. He continued to speak the truth, which meant that after he died, he was able to keep speaking the truth. His words didn't stop. Uh, John the Baptist was killed, didn't stop his eternal purposes and his eternal words continuing. Same as Jesus, same for us. My next observation is to always be aware of the timing of events. God, God is omniscient. He knows what's happening. He knows what's going on. He knows what's in the future. He has the ability to know what you're going to do and still give you options of how you're going to choose what you're going to do. We have free will. God is higher than us in his ways and in his thinking. And he gives us the opportunity to decide every day, every moment of what we are going to do. But if we listen to the prompts of the Holy Spirit, we'll walk according to the order of steps that he has for us. Bible tells us that in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord directs his steps. So we might have a course of action, but if we listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll direct our steps. When we do that, we have to be aware of the timing of the eternal purposes of God in our lives and ready that whatever little thing we might have available to us today is part of the eternal purposes of God for us and for the people we meet. John the Baptist took into account the eternal purposes of God in absolutely every situation. And that's why he always spoke the truth, because he always knew there were eternal purposes at play. When Jesus knew that John the Baptist had died, 
he was aware of his eternal purposes, the cross was one step closer. And I think if we would take an example of that, then we would have an opportunity to understand what God wants to do in our lives, whether it be positive or negative. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. You, you, it doesn't matter which way. You live, you win. You die, you win. Either way, when Jesus is at the center, you and I win. How's that? That's a great, great observation for all of us today. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to just go through your word today. I pray, Lord, you reveal people to people, Lord, where they have maybe not been as convicted of the truth as they need to be, that they would stand for the truth, that they would not just be intimidated to say the truth once and then never say it again, but continually stand for the truth. I also pray, Lord, for anybody who struggles with just worrying about what other people think. I pray, God, that you give them a boldness and a strength and a courage, Lord, to just rise up and say, the only person that matters what they think is God, my heavenly Father. And through my relationship with him, through Jesus Christ, I will do all things that I have been called to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.